Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score, the home for Bears fans. They got to get better in a lot of ways. You got to get to a point where you can win some close games. And, you know, I don't know. People want to know how much better they're going to be next year. If you're the Bears, you just have to keep on stockpiling talent. You also can be more aggressive in free agency because you have more cap space. Can you offset what they have an advantage in terms of draft picks with free agent talent? P.J. Edwards, the Eagles standout linebacker, is signing a three-year contract with the Chicago Bears. It's hard to pass up when, you know, your hometown team calls and you just want to find a way to get it done as fast as possible, for sure. The Chicago Bears and new general manager Ryan Poles are making some significant noise today. Sources say they are signing Tremaine Edmonds, the star linebacker formerly of the Buffalo Bills. You know, getting him, it's, it's, it's super exciting just to have a, a great room. And then, you know, you got Sanborn as well. So it's just, it's an exciting group to be a part of, man. I, I'm really excited to get this thing going, for sure. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. It is Ryan Pohl's season on 670 The Score. Bear down. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It's a whole new look, Bears. It's a whole new look defense. They got a, they got a back seven now, David. I don't know about the front seven. Morning, Mully. Yeah, big Monday for the Bears. Happy Tuesday morning. The day after the first day of free agency and the Bears spent big, they changed the look of their linebacking core. Yeah. They they added uh, some guys that are at the you know right stage of their careers to come to Chicago, an offensive lineman, a defensive end. I do think they are, you know, still a team that has some big holes, some big holes. But yesterday was an exciting day because I think there were surprises. I did not expect them to go in this direction at this stage of free agency, and that they did. Do you think it's a plan B? I don't know that, but I think that it's fair to ask that because, let's face it, we're talking off the air, we're talking yesterday, and you went into free agency, I think, with the priorities very firmly established. You need, in our minds, in the, in the minds of many people watching the Bears, offensive tackle, defensive tackle. And here we are after day one, they don't have an offensive tackle or a defensive tackle. They do have some very interesting players that they added Yeah, that we'll talk about. But as we were kind of kidding around, it feels like you're at dinner and you went out for a nice meal. And, boy, the appetizers are good, nice side dishes. That drink really tastes, goes down well. Where's the beef? <laughs> Where's the beef? Yeah, where is the I- Offensive tackle, the defensive tackle, the beef. I'll know after I have my steak, if they're serving steak, how I feel about the steak mm. and the meal. So I feel like this is would be an incomplete conclusion to reach, even though it started out pretty well, looks pretty good, defensible decisions that are made. No question. But I still wonder about whether or not Orlando Brown Jr. specifically is going to be somebody they pursue. And at defensive tackle, what is the plan? Because the best ones just got away. Yeah, you know, listen, there are other teams involved. The thing is, the Bears had the most money. So you thought they were going to shake the market a little bit. And they didn't, 
I mean, to an extent they did. They certainly, you know, brought in a uh, a really good player uh, from Buffalo. They did a great job of bringing in uh, Tremaine Edmonds. He got a four-year, $72 million deal, including $50 million in guarantees. And he's a – is that humanly possible that he's still only 24 years old? I know he came into the league young, but that guy is five years in, and he's yet to turn – 25. He's he's younger than Valus Jones Jr. <laughs> That's always a funny comparison. I love that. One. But he he also has been part of some very good teams. Yes, he has. In Buffalo and he's had some very good uh coaching and game planning and scheming and he's also had a very strong defensive front in front of him. So, Tremaine Edmonds is somebody that came out in the 2018 draft, young for his class, and he went 16th in that first round and the Bears took Roquan Smith 8 spots earlier Mm -hmm. so I remember him coming out the same linebacker class with Roquan and Molly back five years ago coming out of college before that draft everybody loves a good comp because of his size 6'5 240 because of his athleticism the comp to Tremaine Edmonds was Brian Urlacher which is very interesting because now you've got a athletic uh, ideally disruptive piece in that defense for Matt Eberflus that to go another direction in terms of a comparison, Shaq Leonard is the guy that Matt Eberflus always exactly. wants to right. replace and is in his mind the guy to, to play that spot in that defense. This is that guy for him. Yeah, that, there's no doubt about that. So, you know, who's the defensive line? I mean, they, they did sign uh, the former Titan uh, Demarcus Walker to a to a two year deal for fourteen million dollars. And again, when we say they signed them, these are contract agreements. Okay, none of this stuff becomes official until Wednesday. And you know, you can you can scoff at that idea that well, no, they signed, they agreed to terms. You know, Larry Ogunjobi, they Thank agreed you. to terms with. Thank all right, you. yeah, and he he never <laughs> played here, right? Um, I think if you go back, Anthony Barr agreed to terms with the Jets, I want to say, and then went back to the Minnesota Vikings. There there are plenty of other players over the years that have done that. It, it, there's nothing sealed uh, in, in wax, uh, your highness, until you actually get to that Wednesday and you get that deal signed and you get the physical done before you get the deal signed and all that stuff. It's so, important semantics. Yes. Because there are examples that you cite that are high-profile ones, but also as we move forward in NFL free agency, this was a really good point I felt like Scott Pioli on the NFL Network made on Monday during their you know blanket mm-hmm. coverage. You're getting to the point where a lot of these younger players, Tremaine Edmonds does, he turns 25 in May. But when you have these these batch of free agents, they're coming up through college, and what is the what is all the rage in college athletics these days? The transfer portal, mm-hmm. and you get guys who are going through a recru- recruiting process where decommitting is all the rage, where they get into college where transferring is the the most popular thing, and now in free agency you have to be very careful that you don't let these commitments on Monday turn into decommitments by Wednesday because that's a long time. <laughs> In the in the worlds of these young athletes who are accustomed to changing their minds, so yeah, it does. It is a little thing, but they didn't sign anybody yesterday. The Bears got commitments or came to agreements with four players. 
Which is huge. Which is huge. No question. It's a huge about commitment, it. and yes. it's a big, big, another big swing by Ryan Poles. He went into this day, it seemed, with a plan. I'm surprised the plan didn't include all in on either an offense or a defensive tackle. Maybe, maybe he had to adjust and adapt. We'll, we'll know maybe when we hear from him as early as Thursday. Well, it was reported that, that they were talking to Mike McGlinchey and they had a deal in place. And then, of course, he signed with, uh, with the Denver Broncos. What, what, wait a minute, what? <laughs> so that, that was kind of one element there that was going on. I, I haven't heard any uh, defensive uh, tackles that they had signed or agreed to or were negotiating with that signed up. Jermaine Jones went to uh, Seattle Yes, late last night. Right. That was the latest uh, three-year contract, and he is a Seahawk. And I, th- those are the two guys specifically that I wondered – if they would be in on, and if they lost out because of a bidding war. I, I don't know that. McGlinchey, I understand the money for him was considered exorbitant by some people. Got a five-year deal worth $87.5 million with over $50 million in guarantees. It's a lot of money. It's, it's a, a big investment for a right tackle that yep. uh, is 28 years old, I believe. And so I, I, I think all of these – Contracts are difficult to relate to, but it depends on your priorities. And we, and we're also finding that our evaluation of what the Bears need and the Bears' internal evaluations are going to be potentially two very different things. There wasn't one moment, Molly, this off season where I looked at the Bears and projected their depth chart and said, "You know what they need in the middle of that defense? Tremaine Edmonds." Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad signing. Right. I, I think the the. The, well, I the, thought the plane they didn't, was outstanding. I, I thought they didn't need uh, off the ball linebackers. Well, didn't we hear that? that? We heard that repeatedly, and so and and they backed up their words with actions and inaction in terms of Roquan Smith. They traded him after not signing him. So there wasn't a moment this offseason where I felt like that was the first direction they were going to go. It makes sense to think that Mike McGlinchey would have fit here at right tackle, even if they would. Uh, overpay him because that's what you do typically in free agency. Draymond Jones, Molly, $51 million deal to the Seahawks. That changes their defense in a way I felt like the Bears could change theirs. Yes. So all these things, you're talking about the commitment level, uh, the price tag. It just didn't – I didn't expect after day one. This isn't a negative. This isn't a criticism. I just didn't expect after day one to have two players that it, it appears the Bears were outspent Four. I mean, they're, they're out. The, mm-hmm. the Seahawks and the, yeah. and the Broncos outbid the Bears for these guys, and the Bears went the direction they went in. It's a little surprising. It's a little surprising. There's, hey, listen, they, you know, they got better. They got a couple of good linebackers in here. You know, they, they traded uh, Roquan. They got a second round pick, and now you got two guys on the free agent market plus a second round pick for effectively what you would have paid Roquan. Sure. So I, I understand the math. Does of all that, that quantity outweigh the quality of, of an All Pro linebacker? You can have that debate. Well, they got an All Pro linebacker. They, they, you know, you, that's the argument is that you got a guy who's not only a, a Pro Bowl. How many times he made the Pro Bowl? A couple times. Twice. And uh, and he he might fit what you want to do better than Roquan fit what. They wanted you, to do whether you believe right. that or not. That's the argument. Well, I know because he's their guy. Yeah, and all regimes want their guys to be 
uh, in positions to succeed because they 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 see something that fits their their view of the football world, right? Yes. Yes. So Roquan Smith, for whatever reason, did not, and they moved on and they made the most of their resources. Now they did get two players in T.J. Edwards and Tremaine Edmonds. Yep, with a second round draft pick for the money that they would have paid Roquan Smith, the guy they drafted five years ago, developed to a point and then traded. So they got a younger, maybe more athletic player in uh, Tremaine Edmonds. They got an unbelievably try-hard guy in T.J. Edwards who's really made himself a good player in the NFL and is a local guy made good and uh, and is another one of these kind of, I think you know the profile, oh. Wisconsin free agent linebackers. <laughs> Wisconsin <laughs> Undrafted free agent linebacker yeah. from a local there school That's it. whose yeah. dream it was to become a Chicago Bear. We Move over, Jack Sanborn. Yeah, exactly. TJ Edwards is here. Yeah, we know that profile. Yeah. And that's a guy who's been to the Super Bowl for guys. Sit down, guys. Dustin. Hold your yeah. applause. Yeah, that's uh that's good stuff. Um <laughs> Nate Davis signed a three year thirty million dollar agreement. Uh three year thirty million, nineteen million guaranteed. He is a guard with the titans he's been a right guard uh with the titans curious to see somebody said well he'll have to play left guard here will he or is he a right guard here i i, I, just I don't think know there's... how that would work molly because does it make sense to sign somebody even though it's a fairly modest contract but you're going out and acquiring That's him a starter to start in yes. the offensive line and you want to move him to a position he's never played in the nfl no, but, no, you but, don't. But what are you going to do with Alex Leatherwood? That was a joke. <laughs> I, it's obviously Tevin Jenkins, and we don't know because Dustin, Dustin cringed when I made that joke. <laughs> Tevin Jenkins is uh, somebody that would make sense now to use as possibly a trade piece. You just his his future, uh, as we talked yesterday about him lining up next next to Mike McGlinchey, now seems a little bit more uncertain than that because of. You look at their move yesterday, and it doesn't say we believe in Tevin Jenkins. It say it says we want to replace him. So maybe they want to move him to right tackle so he can compete with Larry Borum. I don't know how many. Have you looked at the tackles they have under contract? They got they got three guys. Three. Okay, they got three guys. One of them yeah. is the left tackle Braxton Jones. They seem to like him. One of them is Larry Borum. He doesn't seem to have a position. And then there's the practice squad guy. That's pretty much it, right? Well, that's why, given those realities, I thought that priority one and step one would be going out and get, coming to terms with an offensive tackle on day one of free agency. And that, you know, maybe they still will. Because Orlando Jones Jr. is still out there. And I don't know what his market is because he flew under the radar. It wasn't mentioned a lot in all the flurry of activity yesterday. I didn't hear a lot about teams involved in negotiating with him. And I agree with what you're saying, but he was also like picked as like the first or second best player on most of the boards I looked at. <laughs> I'm just saying it wasn't like, I don't know if he's getting a lot of action, but he's awful good. He's awful good. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. That's what makes it interesting is he waiting for uh, strategically a team to come to him? Is he starting to wait? Who you know, the Chiefs they already replaced them. They replaced them with a cheaper version, but that was it's a, certainly an expensive cheaper version. Juwan Taylor was guaranteed 
a lot of money. I have to look at the specifics to go in and replace yep. Orlando Brown Jr. in Kansas City. So I don't know what they're thinking, and and everyone comes back with this. Ryan Poles will know all about Orlando Brown Jr. because he it's has the true. overlap in Kansas City. Yes. And there's an element of truth to that, so I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but I guess we will find out because day two, you would imagine, won't be quite as frenetic, but it will be active. Y- yesterday was unbelievable. Yesterday I was. I mean, yesterday was one of those days where – Time stopped, and you just sat there and watched bodies flying, and you tried to follow it as closely as you could, and everybody was trying to get there first, and it was interesting. It was a really interesting day. There was a lot of information out there that you were going through. Can I ask you a a reporter question? Please. So, uh, stepping away from the football side for a moment, as we watched yesterday, whether it was on the NFL Network or ESPN, which I think dominated the television coverage of this. You would see in real time on tel- on camera, whether it's Adam Schefter or Ian Rappaport or whatever the case may be, you know, working, getting calls, taking yes. calls, stepping away. And the cameras followed Schefter into the corner yeah. where he was basically doing his job and right. they were they were playing that up. Yes. They were definitely playing that up because they want people to see, I would imagine, what they're doing and how they're doing it. Did did that strike you as unusual? Did you like seeing that be, behind the well, curtain? We know how it works, but yeah, seeing like you, I know Adam, and and he's a good dude, and he's really legitimately working. I felt like there were other people that were pretending to be on their phone and getting information and checking their, and I think that's the problem. <laughs> I think the problem is yeah. that there are some people legitimately working and texting and. They're always on their phone and they're they're doing a lot of work. And then there are other people that want to make it. Oh, oh, I suppose I should look like that. And they're kind of you know, hey mom, what, you know, I'll be home at seven. What are, what are we having for dinner? <laughs> like they're just not. I don't think authentically doing the same amount of work. It appeared that, that on said. the NFL Network there were times where people were being told to either. You know, not look at their phone, but they'll, yeah, yeah, work on camera. It it got a little bit to the point where you wondered that. And, um, got stupid. I mean, listen, a little silly. Like, it could get silly. You know, Jay Glazer is always on his phone and always texting. That is legit. So is Adam. I I don't know that some of those people are really talking to anybody or getting anything, or I think they're trying to look busy. That's how I felt. Yeah. There were times where I, uh, it would compel me to flip channels just because it was getting a little bit, little yeah. bit out of hand. But yeah. I mean, I, 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 that's the way it works. You know how the Shams game is played. Is a guy that you know, uh, you, you can't drop a Woj bomb like Woj does without being on your phone twenty four seven. Shams is like that in the NBA. It, there are a handful of guys like that in the NFL. There's not nearly as many. I mean. Some of these people looked like they were busier than the general managers that were cutting deals. Yeah, Shams handles it pretty well. He's pretty smooth at being able to multitask and not make a big deal about it. I think maybe that's the one thing that maybe stood out is that sometimes you see him watching and like, oh, everybody is supposed to notice how busy you are. Well, that's like when someone like walks into a camera shot and then turns around and walks away. (laughs) Give me a break. By the way, Juwan Taylor, four years, $80 million with the Chiefs. That's quite a deal uh, to replace Orlando Brown Jr. And 
the guarantees with that contract is, you know, enormous when you talk about that's how they're going cheaper and younger. Orlando Brown Jr., the market value contract that SpotRack projects is five years, $112 million. And, and I think him. he'd be worth it. I, I don't think that I would you look know, at that it's and not, think it's not it's all one year, right? right? That is spread out over right. the course of five years. You gotta you gotta take it all into account. This is the price of paying poker. And when you got more money than everyone else and you need that position, feel free. Go and right you still ahead, do jump you, in. You still got about fifty million dollars under the cap. You have a lot of flexibility. Yeah. You, you have a lot that. of opportunity. You could afford that contract, that projected contract easily, if that's what the way you wanted to go. I don't know how you can enter this free agent period and not think that you need a tackle and finish this it's free agent period me, without without getting one. Don't you feel like they're you know, they're doing two things just looking at the players the Bears are acquiring. They are looking at the age of the player and they're trying to get everybody on the same kind of uh uh, the same sort of timetable. And that's that makes a lot of sense. They also may be value hunting, not so much with the linebacker. You know, defenses, you need stud players. And as you said, this is their check, Harris. I understand all that. But they're, they're, not, they're not setting new bars or anything. Well, they're not knocking. I mean, it's, you know, the, what, these are not, they're not modest contracts because it's the first day of free agency. But they're certainly not outspending the world. No, I think it's a really smart way to look at it. What happened yesterday was we we saw the Bears bring in four guys who are on the way up, still ascending. They're still in their mid twenties and they're about to reach the prime, ideally to hit it in Chicago. But this isn't this isn't Ryan Poles spending like a drunken sailor. Not this is not remotely. going out there. He's very sober in his approach, and you, he's very, I think careful even though it sounds crazy but they these aren't overspending uh, these aren't contracts that you're overspending for no and nope. even though Tremaine Edmonds sounds like a lot and he's got uh, the highest paid inside linebacker in the NFL that he's not overpaid based on his production what's surprising is only thing that's surprising is that he's coming to a franchise that had told us that that is not a premium position now they're paying him like a premium player I'm okay with that but it's I not consistent too. with the way that they have described that position. I, I it just when I revisited it in my mind, I thought, yeah, that got personal with Roquan. They couldn't come to any kind of contract resolution, and it got personal, and, and they got rid of him. No doubt about it. And fans and, and media, and, and we will go back and revisit that and talk about it. But sure. let's face it. From a football perspective, the Bears have moved on. Yeah, they're, they're fine. They, but, but get some linemen. And – you know, yeah, I, I exactly. get it. Everyone's like, oh, you know, the first pick, they're definitely taking a tackle. We know they're taking the tackle. It's either it's either the kid from Iowa State, the kid from Northwestern. That's what they're doing. You know, try not to advertise that. Let's try not to have every team in the league trade and, a spot above them. And also, you don't want to put yourself in that position. You don't want to be coming off a 14-loss season and entering the next draft in, in terms of drafting for need. Exactly. Because you need everything. Yeah. You do need everything, and you need starters in plenty of different positions. So we'll this see. is yeah. hey, it's still early. It's just getting going. Yeah. I mean, I, it's a nice. It's a, they they have a nice mix. They got a guy on the defensive line, a guy on the offensive line, and they got a couple linebackers. And by the way, DJ Moore has been signed, and he's another young wide receiver, and that's another you, guy that you is consider him somewhat player. part of this free yeah, agent class, kind of. 
He's, kind he's of both. He's asterisk. part of your draft and part of your, yeah. Same with Chase Claypool. He's a guy that comes in, and he was a preemptive strike for the free agent class. So you can't ignore those moves either. All right. We've got a lot to get to. We're going to pick it all apart. It's Mully and Haw. The pick six is next on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. This segment brought to you by Finishing Chicago. All great finishes start with FinishingChicago.com. All right, guys, what do you make of the Bears effectively replacing Roquan Smith on the first day of free agency by signing Tremaine Edmonds to a four-year $72 million with 50 of that guaranteed, adding local guy T.J. Edwards, three years, $19.5 million, 12 of that guaranteed. So is the conclusion that they dislike the off-ball linebacker after all, or was it just Roquan? Yeah, they don't dislike the off-the-ball linebacker, after all. They just disliked Roquan. Is that the conclusion? Um, you know, I did. I do think it kind of got personal with Roquan. I also think that they would have won more if they kept Roquan. They were they had won that game against New England, and, uh, and they looked like a different football team, and it would have been curious to see if they could have won more uh, going out, but they – you know, they had their hearts set on losing, and trading Roquan helped aided that idea, and they lost 14 games, and and now you got to go out and you got to build a defense. And as we said, you know, they, they look like they got a good back seven, but I don't know that they have the front line yet. So it would be nice to get more players on the defensive line. Does anyone recall how Sack denied – the Chicago Bears were a year ago. The, the the whole issue of you know playing Philadelphia and they all had they had like four or five guys in double figure sacks and the, the Bears didn't have that the collective amount among all their players. It definitely was, wasn't a pass rush. No, no, nobody was getting anywhere there in a hurry. There was no rush at yeah. all. So yeah, I mean they they did sign a uh, a defensive lineman. That's great. You get three more. Um, I would say. They did sign a guard. That's great. Get a couple more offensive line players, right? I, I, I just think inside from the ball out, that's where they need to be now, and they need to get the best players they can get, and they need to have them on the lines, both lines, and they need to improve as a football team. And you can't just postpone that till the draft because you got to line up guys and you got to line up starters and. Go ahead and keep going. It's a good start. I liked what they did yesterday. Keep it going. I mean, maybe Roquan Smith couldn't play the position that he wanted to play to get paid and the Bears wanted him to play to get paid. Maybe he just wasn't good enough. And if you've been enjoying the last, let's say, 60 days maybe of Bears football, being owning the number one pick, trading it down, getting uh, DJ Moore, Claypool, uh, these two linebackers, a second-round pick, all of that does not happen if the Bears don't move Roquan Smith. They're probably picking fourth, and who the heck knows what else is going on. So um, Roquan's gone. He's not coming back. He's a nice guy, plays a really, really, really good middle linebacker. But that's not the, the middle linebacker's not getting paid here. The will linebacker's getting paid. 
T.J. Edwards, listen, we'd all like to get the money that T.J. Edwards is getting, but that's what the middle – he's the middle linebacker, okay? Edmonds is getting the will linebacker, and those two guys are making just a little bit less than Roquan wanted. So I think the Bears are winning right now, but, of course, they still have work to do on the front So seven. you're crediting the Bears with actively tanking. It worked out. So you're I'm not sure if I'm Bears crediting them. I'm not sure if I'm crediting them. They but traded Brooklyn Smith, and the rest became possible. And the rest became possible. Okay, so they actively. I'd rather tanked. be. I'd rather be. I'd rather be there today than sitting here with the fourth pick and Roquan Smith with a hundred million dollar contract. Right, I'm not arguing with you. I, I I think you can make that argument now. It's a it's a position you can take because they've got two players in a draft pick for the money that they would have given uh, Roquan Smith, presumably. I, th- I find it interesting. This is not that hard because basically Roquan Smith was not their guy. And right. whether it got personal or whether they, they, right. it was a football evaluation, you know, it's funny how general managers talk about wanting to be a draft-driven team. What they really mean is guys they draft. Because Roquan Smith gave you the ability to you know, develop and retain and, and uh, a guy that you drafted eighth overall. In that draft now, the linebacker that will take the Bears where they go, wherever they go, under Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, is Tremaine Edmonds, not Roquan Smith. Taking eight picks after Roquan Smith. Younger, yes. More explosive, we'll see. A better linebacker and fit for the Bears' defense, we'll see. What will his success and T.J. Edwards' success will be predicated on is whether or not they do anything to get players in front of him. Whether they draft a defensive tackle like Jalen Carter, whether they sign a free agent who might still be out there, I don't know where he's going to come from. They may trade for somebody. I don't know. What's Javon Hargrave? Was that over outside of the Bears' price range? Not sure. But they still have the two biggest holes that they went into free agency with on day one. They still exist. Offensive and defensive tackle. So I will wait, reserve judgment. It's off to a very interesting start. You like the... Uh, activity yesterday. Let's hope it leads to accomplishment. Guys, we need to get started this morning with me asking you guys a question. That's Brad Biggs, big time, 7 o'clock this morning. It's only the second day of free agency, but if the Bears are unable to land a proven offensive tackle on the open market and the numbers are dwindling after McGlinchey and Taylor committed elsewhere, do you think that them drafting ninth overall now becomes the spot they have to take a tackle? I don't want to go into the draft that way if I'm the Bears. I don't want to go into any draft feeling like there's urgency to address a certain position if you're drafting in the top 10. When you're drafting in the top 10, means you either tra- have somebody's uh, draft pick that, of a team that was really bad or you stunk yourself. Well, the Bears stunk, and that's why they're, they're, they were drafting first, and that's why they moved down to ninth. And when you're in that position and you have all these holes that uh, you helped create, but you have all these holes in your depth chart, you can't afford to draft for need. So if they don't get a free agent offensive tackle, to me, that's a big oversight by the front office. They have three under contract now. And if you are being outbid, shame on you. If you're, if you're not having these guys that uh, you're evaluating that you think can fit into your scheme, yeah, you need to tweak some things to make that work because you have a glaring need you have a gaping hole on the offensive line so I don't understand why that would be neglected or ignored and I don't like the idea of going into the draft because I'm going to stay with this idea 
you're drafting ninth, you're getting the top player on your draft board. It might be a duplicates part for some other positions, but you still, that's the way you become a draft-driven team with guys that you draft. You draft the best player available. Yeah, I think it's going to end up being best player available. And I just wonder, what do you, what do you think the Orlando Brown Jr. market is right now when he doesn't get hit the first day? The Chiefs replace him with a right tackle out of Jacksonville. Maybe the price is good for the Bears right now. I don't think it changes. Do you don't, don't think it changes? I don't think the price changes a day into free agency because nobody wanted to, to pay what he is worth, and he is worth that. Well, I mean, are there people out there that, you know, how many teams want an upgrade or need an upgrade at that position? As far as the draft goes, so if you look at, and there's 100 of them out there right now, these these mock drafts, right? So there's three offensive tackles going right around 10 through 14. Broderick Jones out of uh, Georgia, Skaronsky out of Northwestern, and Paris Johnson out of Ohio State. So if you're sitting there at nine, do you take best available regardless of position? because you need a little bit of everything? Or do you trade back again and say, I'd be fine with any of these three guys playing right tackle for me next year? Any one of those three. And you trade down to ensure that you get one of the three best offensive tackles in the draft and you add some more assets. Okay, so I think that um, the, to answer the question, um, I hope that drafting ninth overall doesn't mean that they're locked into a particular position. You know, I, I think that Paris Johnson Jr. would be a good pick for them. Peter Skaronsky has been a, a phenomenal college player, and uh, and I think he gave up six total pressures. Uh, I, I don't know how many sacks. It's not too many for his entire uh, career. I believe he started for four years and gave up five sacks, something like that. So... That's pretty extraordinary, um, and that's obviously in a really good uh, conference. Um, but when you are locked into a player at a position, when you are locked in to a particular position, that is how teams will jump ahead of you and break your heart and take the guy that you had your heart set on. So you try not to be as obvious with what you need when you go into a draft for that reason, among others. Um I also think that uh, that you want to make sure that you're not overdrafting a guy. You want to get people at a particular spot because that will affect the value of the contract and you don't want to overdraft. There's nothing wrong with doing that, though. But the Bears have so many needs, they're going to have to draft for need. Everybody says that they want to take the best player available. When it, when it comes down to it, you end up – you know, it's just a miracle how the best player available ends up being at a position where you're where you uh, lack. That is just the the nature of a of a draft. Not a good way of going about your business, by the way. But it becomes sort of a, a formative problem for pretty much every organization in every sport. Sadly, that's going to be a question for you okay. guys. There he is, Coach Wanstead. He'll be in Studio 744 with you guys. How interested have you been in the World Baseball Classic? Did you care that Great Britain did Team USA a big favor Monday by defeating Columbia? And what did you think of Lance Lynn's outing for our American team against Canada? Yeah, you know, yesterday I was pretty much devoted wholly to football, to be brutally honest. I have kept an eye on what's going on, especially with our local players 
that are playing in the World Baseball Classic. I haven't gotten into it in the fashion in which I would get into, say, the World Cup, which is the idea behind this. But, um, you know, I know that uh, I know that, that Lance Lynn is one of the few good players, that uh, good starting pitchers that uh, Team America has, and that's probably why we didn't uh, do great against Mexico. When I see a lot of runs scored in the game, it makes me worry that we don't have the best pitching. But I can't say that I am totally locked into the World Baseball Classic because I am pretty much totally locked into the free agency period. Yesterday was like, I mean, that was so much fun, just kind of going back and forth with a bunch of people and seeing what they were doing and having to check back in all the time. So, no, I, I'm not as into the way the World Baseball Classic as maybe I thought I'd be. I got into it over the last couple of days i thought the the highlights from the mexico usa game were really exciting to watch the problem is like first pitch isn't until after nine o'clock so when you get up at 2 30 in the morning that's kind of your bedtime depending on what sporting event is on that's worth staying up for and um since it wasn't an elimination game i wasn't going to stand up in the basement and watch that but i did catch the puerto rico game last night and that was really exciting i mean wow i mean unbelievable flair unbelievable pitching Um, They don't get the perfect game because it wasn't a full game because they use the Little League slaughter rule, mercy rule, if you will, um, if you're up 10 runs at a certain point. So, um, but I'm into it. I just wish it started earlier for our purposes, but uh, happy for Lance Lynn, Tim Anderson playing second base for Team USA, doing it with his bat as well. So um, yeah, USA, USA, USA. Lance Lynn, five innings, gave up two hits and an earned run. He gets the victory. He's going to remember that one. I think that's good for him. He wanted to play in this. This is one of the reasons why they likely got a favor from uh, Great Britain, and they will advance. That's maybe they'll win it again. That that will be a memory. That will be a milestone. And you're happy for Lance Lynn, provided he stays healthy. Everything is is provided he stays healthy. Tim Anderson played second base. Who knew? I thought that wasn't in the cards. He said he wouldn't do that necessarily. Didn't want to do that for the White Sox. Patriotism makes a guy do funny things. Good for him. Team guy. Plus, he's on fire. And Mark DeRosa, the manager, is saying he's a a cog in the clubhouse. You like to hear these things. I'm not going to pretend to watch the World Baseball Classic. We've got so many other things to watch that are, I think, more interesting right now. Between March Madness starting tonight, and it does start tonight. Between NFL free agency and the World Baseball Classic. I saw a highlight of Javi Baez doing his magic at third base. avoiding a tag. I watched highlights of this game, Team USA. I'm going to watch a lot of highlights, but I'm not going to be glued to the set watching Team USA because the World Baseball Classic makes me worry, and I don't like to worry. Okay, next question. On 31st Street near Guaranteed Rate Field, a billboard went up Monday paid for by disgruntled Sox fans. They say, sell the team, Jerry. Our signs like this, easy to dismiss or hard to ignore because of how frustrated we know the Sox base fan base is after the last two seasons. And now there's a second one that's also up, I believe. Uh, so these are paid for by Sox fans that are fed up. And that's a large group. So if they did a GoFundMe of Sox fans that are fed up, I imagine they raised some money. I don't know if that's how they funded this, but it's a statement. It's a statement, and I think... Uh, there are d- various ways to make your your frustration felt. 
this is one of them. I don't think it's going to resonate with Jerry Reinsdorf. I don't know that it will be something the White Sox even acknowledge in the front office. I do think that it is reflective of a fan base that is totally fed up. And, and certainly Molly can speak to this better than I can, being a member of that fan base. But these kinds of things pop up every now and then. I think we have seen it with uh, the Bulls a few years ago, with the Garpax era coming to a close. And now you wonder where this is headed with the White Sox because I think there's a feeling that in the fan base and just people who are observing, observers of this that things won't change in the way this operation is run until the team is sold. I don't know if that's true or not. I understand the sentiment, and I think things like this, to me, are hard to ignore just because of the prevalence of social media, and this is where it will make it probably its, uh, its biggest presence felt. Well, it's definitely a statement, and the fans put it up right there. Um and I get it, but hey, the way they've played so far in spring training, you know, last night's effort by Lynn and Anderson, I, I say give them a chance, right? Give them a chance. They cannot, the, the, the Sox cannot possibly be as bad as they were last year. And injuries were a big part of why they were as bad as they were last year. Yeah, you know, I, I think that uh, just to answer your question, David, as a a member of the fan base, I think that that I love the White Sox, but it's unrequited love, and it's not returned, and it is always confusing as to why they seem to hate me. But, yeah, that's the general consensus among my friends who are Sox fans is that, you, you know, you grew up loving the White Sox. You love the White Sox. The White Sox hate you. And that that is just how you feel about it. I don't know. Do they take my love for granted do they take my love to town? I don't know what the hell's going on, but yeah, it does not feel like there is this reciprocal relationship going on. More lately or um, always? Well, I mean, I, the last couple of years okay. for sure. But yeah, lately it seems worse than it's been in a while. They need to win, and they need to have people want to go to the ballpark and spend their money. Uh, they, they, it is, it is really kind of uh, surprising to me that people have chosen to spend their money to send a message to Jerry, which he may or may not receive. It just depends on whether or not Tony has it in his notes or not for Jerry to look at. Oh, by the way, there are signs up saying you should sell the team. Yeah, I think it's a good question. With 15 games left for the Bulls and Zach Levine, in contention for player of the week in the Eastern Conference, how do you feel about the team landing in the play-in? Will they somehow do better than that, or is it play-in or bust? Um, I, you know, I don't think they're going to get uh, up. I, I don't think they're going to overtake the Heat or the Knicks or anything. So, yeah, I'm going to go with play-in or bust. Um, you know, the Nets could free fall, but I don't know if they can fall far enough. Uh, here's the reality. The Bears are five games under 500, but they have won two games in a row. And they are uh, half a game away from the Raptors. And the Raptors have lost three games in a row. And they are, uh, they are about four games behind the Hawks, and the Hawks have lost two games in a row. So I get it. I, I follow Kawhi Leonard. I understand it's about the Bulls and what they do and they just need to win. They need to win as many games as they possibly can. But it's going to help a ton if teams ahead of them keep losing. So that is a good thing to see the, the Bulls 
continue to win and their opponents continue to lose. And and again, it, you know, the play-in game doesn't seem to be something anyone wants to grab by the throat. So I got a feeling they're going to wind up in it as they are right now. They are the 10th seed as we speak, but they could move up a little bit. Who knows? Maybe they're hosting a play-in game. If you're not 500, do you really belong in any sort of a Can you get to 500? Uh, right. I, no. The answer is no. They can't uh, get to 500 with 15 games left. I mean, they. they mean, could they? Right. Mathematically, of course they could. But I mean, just looking at the schedule, you know, Sacramento probably a loss. T Wolves maybe. Heat loss. Two games with the 76ers loss loss. At Portland, somewhere they've never had any success with. Even during the Jordan eras, it was always tough for them to go out to Portland and win. Uh, two Laker games, a Clippers game. Memphis still, Bucks still, Mavericks still. There's a lot of heavy hitters still on this schedule. Okay, yeah, you got a, you got a game against the Pistons. You know, you got a game against Charlotte, but it's not like they've rolled over Charlotte. I mean, I, I see two. I see two obvious wins in the next 15. Two, maybe three. So are you suggesting they lose out? If you're not 500, I don't think you deserve to be in the postseason, and I don't know. losing Losing in the first, what's that? That's not the way it works. Okay, but I can have that opinion, right? I, you certainly are entitled okay. to that opinion. My point is, at this point, I'd rather take my shot at getting a top four pick in the draft than losing in the play-in game. That's that's your that's your whole philosophy, though. So, it doesn't matter what your record is. You have to make the best of the situation. If you if you the fear was that AK is going to look at this season at the end of the at the end of it and conclude that. Oh, we snuck into the playoffs. We got into the play-in. We won a game and we competed in a series and all as well. That would be a problem. And I would not, you know, be happy about that. I don't think he's under any illusion. I really don't. I think that when you look at his inability to make a trade at the deadline, that was frustrating. They embraced the status quo. That didn't make sense. I don't think, based on what we've seen from him, that he's going to be looking at this picture at the end of the season and be satisfied with anything he sees. So in that context, I think that change is coming. So make the most of what you have. I don't care what your record is. You, you want to get into the postseason. If you want to go in the back door, slip through the, the, the open window that's the, the, uh, just a crack, if you can get in, get in. It's always better to achieve than not achieve. That's sports. That's competition. I don't understand this idea that well, the, you know, as long as people are doing that, we need relegation. That's all. If we added relegation, then no one would tank. This will be a pick six. There's your ball game. As we get closer to finishing our March Madness picks and determining who will play in the final four and become the champions of the NCAA, how conflicted are you to fill out that bracket and with Alabama in it? Do you think the casual fan who's in bracketology cares about Brandon Miller's role in a gun death. I f- think that people are going to fill out their brackets the way they always fill out their brackets. And they're going to pick teams to win based on whoever their favorite analyst picked and what uh, Jay Billis tells them and or whoever the case may be. Who's Dickie V got this year? I, 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 don't, I don't know who you go to, who people go to for their bracket information. Maybe, maybe it's uh, Joe Lenardi or, or Jerry Palm. But I don't think that there's going to be a lot of people that stay away from picking Alabama 
because of what they've been through. I found myself conflicted going through the bracket. Like, do I really want to pick them to make the Final Four? Do I really want to think that well, this is a basketball analysis? And the basketball analysis is that I don't think there's a better team in America than Alabama. They're the best team on the floor and then the easiest team to dislike. And I hope they get beat in the first round. I do. I hope they get beat in the first round. I think that they have made a, a moral compromise that the end justifies the means and is something that makes you uncomfortable about sports and college sports especially. Nate Oates, I don't I wouldn't hire him to 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 uh, I wouldn't hire him for anything. I think he's embarrassed himself and I think the, the university should be, you know, they're in, in disgrace, feeling disgrace based on the way they've handled this. But I think they're the best team in America. And I think everyone's bracket probably re- reflect that. So conflicted, yes. Confused, no. Yeah, conflicted's a good word for it. Um, I wonder if people have that when they fill out these brackets. Um, I'm looking for a team, so I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that Arizona might be able to be that team, the two seed on that side, that might be able to be that team that can uh, get rid of them and not have them down in Houston. We'll have to wait and see. Um, disappointed in those fans. I know some people that go have kids that go to Alabama, and they're really great people. And I wonder what they think about T-shirts and things that are down at the SEC tournament. So it's just a it's a bad look overall. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And I guess uh, I think the bigger, more interesting debate, David, is whether or not the tournament really starts tonight or not. It does. Okay. Yeah, um, look, I think that if you, um, you know, if you're going to fill out the bracket based on the teams that are in it, then you're going to pick Alabama to go pretty far. And, in fact, I don't think – I think the first team that has a chance to beat them, I think they're going to I think they're gonna win their first game. I think they're going to win their second game. I think they're going to win their third game. I think Arizona – might have a chance to beat him if I have Arizona going through, as I believe I do. Um, and I think that, that you know, I don't know that, that morality comes into play, frankly. I, I, I think they're in the tournament. I think Brandon Miller is fast emerging as the second pick in the draft, right? I mean, I know a couple of those Ignite guys have been mentioned, and we know that Victor... Uh, Wambanyama is going to go number one overall. I would not be surprised if it's Brandon Miller at number oh, two. Oh, likely. I, I think he's yeah. really moved into that position, and I think after this tournament run, he'll he'll solidify that. He is a seriously good player, and uh, and I um, I think that there's absolutely no recourse that's going to be taken legally against that. So he'll end up as the number two pick, and and perhaps leading a team to a championship. So you know, that is the reality of uh, of what you're looking at when you when you really want to break it down. I, you know, when I first started looking at it, I thought, well, where are they going to lose? And you just you run out of chances to think they're going to lose if that's what you're after. And uh, you know, I don't think they're going to lose. I think they could win this thing. Did I root for them to lose? Um, if you want to, you can do that. You know, there are there are worse reasons to dislike a team, uh, and I think a lot of people, you know, you. You can easily dislike their fan base if, you know, somebody offends your sensibilities by wearing the wrong Isn't t-shirt. that enough? I think it's uh, – yeah, there's that's, nothing that's wrong with reason. that. There's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, that that doesn't mean it's actually going to work. 
feeling bad about them because it's probably well, not. I, I don't think any of this stuff works. It just makes you feel better. <laughs> well, do whatever makes you feel good. How's that? Okay. All right. We've got the extra point next. 312-644-6767 is the number. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Outside of Chicago, what was your biggest takeaway from the first frenetic day of NFL free agency? Any move or near move, raise an eyebrow? Anybody you feel like slipped away from the Bears? Well, I think the ones that got away from the Bears might have been Draymond Jones to the Seahawks, defensive tackle that I think signed a contract that you look from the outside and uh, you think the Bears could have afforded. I'm curious to see what happened there. Uh, still curious to see what happens at offensive tackle. You saw Mike McGlinchey go to the Broncos. That that raised an eyebrow, the money that he was worth to, to the Broncos. Juwan Taylor getting signed by the Chiefs to play left tackle to replace Orlando Brown Jr. So I think from a Bears perspective, those are the ones you feel like eh, would have been easy to justify them overspending or bringing them into the fold. As far as league-wide, Aaron Rodgers has the league held hostage right now, and that was – Obvious yesterday, the coverage, everything was about the oh, hourly Rodgers update and the news that was not news. And uh, Trey Wingo out on a limb, which is interesting. He talked to Grody last night. That's interesting that Trey Wingo had the report that everything's done in New York and he's going to be a jet. Well, let's wait and see because that wasn't official yesterday. Uh, so that was a big move. But I think from the things that did happen that also I think didn't necessarily affect the Bears but did kind of get your attention – Jimmy Garoppolo going to Vegas. Jimmy G in Vegas. Josh McDaniels reunited, and he is their starting quarterback. And I knew that would get a rise out of Dustin, and I'm glad for Jimmy G that he's going to another franchise where he's going to get a chance to be a starter. That seems like such a lateral move quarterback-wise for the Raiders. They're saving some money. But there, do you, did you believe the rumors that the Raiders were interested along with the, the Panthers to move up to number one? Sure. So they pivoted that quick? Because if you move up to number one, they were going quarterback, right? I mean, you weren't going up to number one. I mean, their defense is really bad in Oakland. or They're in Vegas now. They're really bad. So, you know, great for Jimmy G. Okay, fine. I, I just – it makes sense, right? He and, he and the coach know each other, so that, that's the connection. Okay, God bless. Good luck. When you're down 10, you know, Jimmy G's good at protecting a 10-point lead. He's not good at coming back from 10 points down. Uh, the tackles, offensive tackles is what I'm going to be paying attention to to see how these guys are. It, it, McGlinchey, that good for him. That's a, that was a, I, I don't, I just, I'd love to talk about a little bit more, and this is not the time, but it's just, it is the place potentially. What would our reaction to have been had the Bears matched the deal that McGlinchey got in Denver. I, think I would have said, I would have said way too much. I, and I would have said, sometimes you have to overpay for needs that are that glaring. And I would have said, give it to Orlando Brown. <laughs> well, that would have been a good answer too. And then the question becomes, why hasn't anybody to your point, Molly, why hasn't anybody given it to Orlando Brown? And what does it say when the chiefs are willing to let the left tackle walk, bring in a guy who played right tackle to be the left tackle. They, already, him. they did that already with Orlando Brown. He was a right tackle in Baltimore. And they but him he was a right tackle begrudgingly, right? He didn't want to be a right tackle. 
Well, he went to the Chiefs because he wanted to play left. Right. Yeah. So you're saying what about them replacing Orlando Brown with I just said, what does that say? Sometimes the league will answer our own questions. Like, okay, the Chiefs didn't want him. Nobody wanted him on day one. He's still listed as the first or second best available free agent if you look at those kind of boards out there. Um, I would say to answer this question that the, the, you know, the quarterbacks are king, and I think that to me, the Aaron Rodgers thing, the, the, the I, and I didn't get the NFL Network, so I was mainly watching ESPN. Um, I was in the car a little bit, so I was listening to the NFL Network, and it was breathless non-news about uh, Aaron Rodgers. It was followed by a breathless non-report about Aaron Rodgers. And supposedly Aaron Rodgers doesn't want anyone saying anything about Aaron Rodgers. It was just, it's like America kept captive. It was just ridiculous. Uh, I actually heard yesterday, which I had never heard before, that the Vikings are, you know, uh, hurriedly, busily dumping salary. And uh, they're thinking if uh, somehow Aaron Rodgers doesn't go to the Jets, could that be a place to get rid of Kirk Cousins? Could they trade Kirk Cousins and that contract to the Jets? And, you know, the idea is they're aching to kind of start over a little bit. And, you know, you think about Kirk Cousins and, you know, the guy, they won what? They won, uh, I think, 11 games on a uh, on a final drive or by one score. That is a league record, but... That was pretty much all their wins, and that ended the minute they hit the playoffs. And this is a guy that is great noon on Sunday but doesn't play well in primetime. Why would the Jets kind of rework everything to go get him if they can't get Aaron Rodgers? Desperation. That that was actually one of the things I heard, and I thought, wow, I I hadn't heard about uh, the Vikings really trying to dump Kirk Cousins, although it makes sense if that's – kind of what they're doing with a lot of different bad contracts uh it, it why would you want and it, you know there's a new general manager there and all that but why would you want to when you're in a division where that guy could leave why would you want to rework your team and, and then i thought what if he left and they traded kirk cousins and the bears all of a sudden the only team they're behind is detroit they of the two number one picks and two number two picks. He just year. added a defensive back yesterday. Pretty yeah, good. So. I saw that. Yeah. So, so I, I think though that that it is, I, it is a beyond baited the breathlessness that we're waiting for uh, what happens with uh, Aaron Rodgers, and that's my biggest takeaway from free agency. As much as all the news was breaking and all the fun stuff was going on in Chicago, all anyone really wanted to know is is uh, is Aaron Rodgers in New York. Yeah, because it affects uh, some other teams probably and how they approach free agency. The, the Vegas was done waiting, I think, because you know, Jimmy G was in play, or maybe Jimmy Garoppolo decided to jump because he would have been in play in New York if if and, they you know don't get Rogers. And that was the other thing reported that um, that Vegas tried to get the number one overall pick. That that Carolina and Vegas were the two teams vying for that pick. Uh, that that kind of Indy said no, and they weren't willing to give up their receiver, but apparently Vegas was desperate to get in on that action. And if Vegas would have given up Devontae Adams, I think the Bears could have taken would have taken him. 
I don't know. It's, he doesn't fit their uh, oh, time profile. Right. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. It's Molly and Haw on the score. Hey, where's the meat? Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Where's the beef? Where is the beef, David? You know, I think that's a fair question, even though, again, when you say that the Bears still have not addressed their number one need, it doesn't mean that what happened yesterday was bad or you're negative about it. We're getting some pushback on the text line. We understand that. They're a better football team this morning than they were last year. There's no doubt about it. There's no question about that. And I think you want to give credit to Ryan Poles for being aggressive and and going out and being decisive and bringing in guys that he has identified fit this system and and are winning players on the way up, which is is smart. Yeah. But I I don't think we can overlook the fact that – the two biggest priorities that we have been harping on since the end of a miserable season, defensive tackle, offensive tackle, on the first day of free agency were not addressed. That's all. And I think when you still have the number one offensive tackle available on the marketplace, overpriced or not, Orlando Brown Jr., you wonder if they will go in that direction and you you wonder if anybody will. You should have conversations with it. You should find out the parameters and you should know whether you should reject them or not. Again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go crazy if they don't land him because even though, in my opinion, he's the best guy on the market and you'd 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 improve significantly if you added him. I can understand if the guy's got an idea about how he wants to spend his money and and how he's going to deploy the assets that uh, that they've created, and he doesn't want to get to a point where. They have a guy under contract, and, and the last year or two of it isn't worth it. Whatever it might be, whatever may give him pause. Um, you know, I I go back to a couple of things that you hear. Like, you want a guy like that on your team. You want a guy that is in a bad mood, that's going to start a fight, going to finish a fight. You want a guy like that on your team. Yeah, that's a good thing to have. Yeah, you want an offensive tackle with a defensive mentality. Yeah, and that seems to be the way that people describe Orlando Brown Jr. He's also very good uh, and very accomplished. So let's wait and see. This is an incomplete picture. Right. We, we don't have to draw any hard and fast conclusions. And we're evaluating and reviewing sort of a movie as we're watching it unfold. Yes. So right now we're a couple scenes in, and we'll have a better idea of of our review, if you will, at the end of it. And we're not even close to getting to the end of it yet. I, I think – They've had a good start, and uh, let's see what happens. I, I like T.J. Edwards a lot. I, I do, I have to say, because he fits the profile of the kind of guy that, to me, comes from a winning team, played a major role on a good defense, is an overachiever. And I do like, you know, I love the, I like the, the homecoming story. I like the fact that he's motivated, and it means something to him to be a bear. He grew up, you know, he was tailgating in a Hester jersey. He met Brian Urlacher at a meet and greet, and he idolized Lance Briggs. This is somebody that you are happy for. You love slow linebackers. <laughs> I kind of do. I kind of do. I mean, I have a soft spot for anybody that was a step slow in life or in sports, and because they are typically plugged in another, he's an overachiever. And when you have an undrafted free agent that has worked his way in a position to get a guaranteed contract from That's the team great. he grew up yep. rooting for I back home. It's a good story.
Yeah, and and I I like the a profile of uh, Tremaine Edmonds. I like a guy that is a Pro Bowl player, that is a tackle machine, that has all the athletic ability in the world. You know, you you talk to people about him, and the the feeling is, well, you know, the big plays aren't there. You know, he does for everything he brings. He should there should be more. He should do more. Okay, well, let's see if he can. I, I'm looking well, forward to it. Coaches like Matt Eberflus look at a guy like that, and they see, you know, somebody that they can mold. And and boy, it's a great place to start because he has the kind of athleticism and, in theory, explosiveness that really fits in any defense, but especially this one. All right, three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven is the telephone number. We're going to bring in our guy Brad Biggs. He's the football man of the Chicago Tribune. And we're going to ask him. Have they done enough, and what should the priority be, and are they in danger of uh, of broadcasting their plans to uh, to everyone if they don't get a couple things done here in free agency? It's Mully and Haw on the score.